I'm going to take my reading from the very first verse of the book of Joshua, chapter 20. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's only a book of nine verses. It's only a book of nine verses, and I'm going to read tonight. I think it's okay. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourself. I want us to follow this scripture very closely tonight. Joshua chapter 20. We're starting to read from verse 1. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that a slayer will kill a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there. And they shall be your city, they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of the, those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not eat him before end. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And until the death of one of the one who is high priest in those days, then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house, to the city from which he fled. So they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in the mountain of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountain of Ephraim, and Kajaba, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead, from the tribe of Gilead, Gad, and Golan in Bashan, from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel. For the strangers who dwelt among them, that whosoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. The Old Testament that we read tonight is the New Testament concealed? 
Theologically, it is believed that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, you cannot separate the old from the new. Otherwise, you're not going to have a complete message, a complete will of God. Every principle in the new was first established in the old. So the new or the old is supportive of the new. Those who read in the old read in the dark. They had little understanding of what they read. Many of us will remember the book of Isaiah chapter 9. And the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a child and you shall call his name Emmanuel. But this man had no idea by the time Isaiah was prophesying in Isaiah chapter 9, it was about 500 years before the first book of Matthew. Can we imagine how many years? 500 years. Most of the Old Testament prophets saw visions as if, how many of us know pillars? When you, my brothers and engineers, many of us are engineers, so if you put pillars by the side and you stand on this side of the pillar, if you look by the pillar, you will see that they are very close to each other from, the, from this view. But when you walk to the side of the pillar, they are so wide apart. Most of the Old Testament prophets saw visions and prophecies that way. They thought it was going to happen next day because of what they saw. God did not give them the benefit to know the timing, particularly if it's something that has to do with the New Testament. Now, one of the principles that we see in the New Testament was first established in the Old. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of justice. God cares for those who are innocent. So God's plan is not only for the perfect. If this word is only for the perfect, many of us won't be here. Neither me. <laughs> if the word is for what? It's for the perfect. Neither you and I will be here. We will have been long gone. Why? Because every moment of the day, we have reasons to say, sorry, I made a mistake. You know why? Because we're in the flesh. No wonder in the book of Romans chapter 7, the things which I will, I do not. And the things which I do, I will not. There's a, there's, there's a battle in my system. My system is wrestling because I have the will to do what is right. But I have no power to do it. Alas, that's a major calamity in the life of a man. And in this book of Joshua chapter 20, this is not the first time we're going to read this story about the city of refuge. I'm sharing with us tonight the Lord, our refuge. Or you may time it, the city of, of refuge. The Lord, the city of refuge. In the Old Testament, we see that the city of refuge was established. It was first spoken by God Unto Moses in the book of Numbers chapter 25. In Exodus 21, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, in Numbers chapter 25, God gave divine instructions on how relationship was to be established. I want us to know that were laws. And most of those laws were basically moral and civic laws. And the civil, sorry, civil laws. The civil laws were to preserve people from committing crime against their neighbors. 
Why do we think the scripture says, thou shall not kill? It is to protect your neighbor. If you're stronger than your neighbor and your neighbor offends you, the next thing is to do is to get rid of him. But the Bible said, thou shall not kill. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. What is that? Civil law. Thou shall observe. You will see all of this throughout the Old Testament. What was God doing? God was preserving the instruction, was preserving his people by instructions. In one of those times, it was amazing to me, in Numbers 35, that God spoke to Moses and said, when Israel get to the land of promise, they had left Egypt. To me, I could have thought they would have got it all made up because they've learned all the lessons in the wilderness. But you know what? God knew that as long as man lives, there will be certain characteristics of man that should be premeditated. God knew there will be occasions when certain men are murderers. They are just hardcore, you know, crime. You know, there will be hardcore crimes among people. Because they're human beings, they're gonna be, there will be rage, there will be hunger, and there will be resultant effect. But in another sense, there will be accidents. I love this. There will be accidents. There is something the scripture says in the book of Deuteronomy that shocked me today. The Bible says, and because God permits it. Do you know there are certain accidents that God permits? God allows it. It happens. Now, in this situation, God told Moses, set up cities that will be cities of refuge. When the people get to the land of Canaan, let them set up cities of refuge. What was it for? And those were the things we're going to study tonight. I want us to quickly underline in our Bibles a couple of things that are very, very critical tonight to our study. Number one, the Bible speaks of a slayer. I want us to underline that it's in verse 3 of Joshua chapter 20, verse 3. The slayer, the Bible says. I also want us to underline the word, the avenger of blood. The avenger of blood. I also want us to underline in our Bible six cities that were mentioned in this scripture. There were six cities that were being set, you know, set apart to be called the cities of refuge. And I'm going to mention their names one after the other. I'm going, to I'm going to tell us the meaning of those cities later. But I want us to write those cities down. Number one of those cities is Kadesh. Or what you call Kadesh, depending on the version you have. Number two, Shechem. Number three, Hebron. Number four, Bezer. Number five, Ramoth. Number six, Golan. Number six, Golan. Are we ready? Canaan had already been possessed by the people of God. For many of us who are familiar with the book of Joshua, the land of, the land of Canaan was divided into two among the children of Israel. 
the east and the west. Jordan was the dividing point for the land of Canaan. Some tribes were on one side of Jordan, while the other were on the other side of Jordan. It is called the east side of Jordan and the west side of Jordan. It's still there to today. Now, among all of these two descriptions, two divisions, there were six cities that God told them to earmark and name those cities. They were called the cities of refuge. Why were they set up? That's one of the things we're going to set up. We're not going to begin to study tonight. Now, these cities were set up principally to preserve the life of the manslayer. A manslayer, God made a distinction between a murderer and a manslayer. God believes that if somebody accidentally kills, for instance, two people goes to the farm, they were together, they were about to cut the tree, and they were cutting with the axe, and what the axe flies out and hit the other man and dies, what is that? It's an accident. It wasn't premeditated. I, ch I went to check the issue of manslaughter, you know, manslaying. It says, actually, murder means a, a malicious forethought, a premeditated uh, crime. That's what it means. But in the times of manslayer, it is when a man accidentally, not knowing, not planning for it, not, you know, not generally prepared to kill, but somehow it happened. What will you do? Do you know it happens today? But in this scripture, today we call it homicide. You know, sometimes it happens by accident. Some people call it self-defense, whatever it is, but it happens. But in this kind of a situation, God said, I want to make a provision for them. I want to tell us the implication of it, but I want us to get the story. So the cities of refuge were strategically located on major hills around Israel. And there were basically six. And six of those cities were located in places that could easily be seen by all. Number two, the cities had headers who were considered to be at the gate of those cities. Before anybody comes into those cities, they will have to check him up. If he was innocent, if it, indeed it was a manslayer, it was a murder, they would check at the gate. If he's qualified and indeed it was a manslayer, he will be allowed him to come into the city of refuge. Number three, when a man comes into the city of refuge, now, don't forget that somebody had died. Is that right? Now, the man who died or whoever dies has a family. Now, the next kin of whoever dies is considered to be an avenger of blood. Why? Because he's angry that a relative or a member of his family has been unjustly killed. There's a separation and he's angry and he wants to take, he wants to avenge. He wants to take a revenge. Now, that's what is called the avenger of the blood. Now, what happens is when there's an occurrence of a sudden death, what happens if it's, a, if it's a manslayer, the man or whoever the person is quickly runs to make his way to the city of refuge before the information gets to the avenger of the blood so that he's not caught up and killed before he gets to the city of refuge. Once he enters the city of refuge, no, mass, no, no avenger of the blood is permitted into the city of refuge. He's protected. Now I want us to really look at this very closely tonight. Now it's going to be in the city of refuge for as long as the ruling high priest is alive. 
when the high priest dies, is free to leave the city of refuge. Is permanently made free to go back home. If it takes the high priest another 50 years to leave, he's going to be in the city of refuge for 50 years. He's not going to leave. So he's permanently in the city of refuge to be protected from the hand of the avenger of blood. If he strays out of the city of refuge, suddenly gets out of the city of refuge without not knowing that the avenger of the blood is locking, if he's killed, his blood will be over his own head. Because he must abide in the city of refuge, not going out at all, as long as the high priest leaves. It, 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 it's an interesting story. But I want us to follow it. Now, all of these cities were located, and this is what happened. There were emblems, there were signposts, there were placed that will point everyone. You cannot miss a city of refuge. They were placed at strategic locations, so much so, if anything happens at all, the first thing our custom is to look around for the city of refuge. And they were strategically located that everyone in Israel, in every tribe of Israel, had an opportunity to be in the city of refuge as quickly as possible before the avenger of the blood comes. Don't let us forget. He remains in the city of refuge for as long as the high priest lives. When the high priest dies, it's a freedom time for him. It's time for him to leave and go back to his home and be restored to his family. Now, the guilt and the penalty of his offense had been taken away. Why? Because the high priest had died. Do we get it? The high priest's death removes the punishment, takes away the penalty, and the avenger of blood must never attempt to touch him anymore. I'm going to give, give us a real story in the scriptures that typifies what we're talking about tonight by the time we're closing. Now, I want us to quickly take a look at and take a trip with me tonight. What does this mean? Let's turn our Bibles together to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. I want us to read it. Now, let's look at the implication in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 6. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, I'd like us to read together from verse 11. Therefore, if we're not there, I'll wait for us. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. No, I'm going to read from verse 18 this time. I'm going to read from 18 because of time. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. Hebrews 6, 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Who have fled for what? We have fled for what? For refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an uncle of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Certain things are being explained in this New Testament to us. The Bible says all of us together tonight, 
we ran and we have strong consolation. In other words, we have peace now. Why? Because we have run in for refuge, laying out of hope that is set before us. What is that hope? It's of our high priest. I want us to see what the Bible says about high priest. Now, the high priest is a little different from the Old, Old Testament high priest. Our high priest died. Is it true? But you know what he also did? He also lives. He died and he lives. I'm going to tell us the implication of those two sentences. Our high priest died like every other high priest, but interestingly, he still lives. The implication of that, we'll soon get to it. But I want us to see this story very closely tonight. I'm going to begin by saying the purpose of these cities. Number one, what is the purpose of the city of refuge? That's number one, the purpose of the cities. Number one, A, they were to serve as a refuge. In the land of Israel, when God gave them instruction for them to leave the land of Egypt to go to Canaan, God did not provide them with police force. Do we remember that? But God was aware there would be crime. And God knows each time there was a crime, there was a swift judgment. If somebody kills intentionally, he's brought before the congregation and he's stoned to death. That's it. Quick, immediate judgment. But you know what? It was a just judgment. I wrote it down here. The punishment were always designed to fit the crime. Maybe you've read this before in the book of Exodus chapter 22. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, uh, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I mean, that's very clear from the scriptures. It's an eye for an eye. So every punishment fits the offense. Now, that was how the cities were made those days. God gave them instructions on how to provide judgment for every crime committed. But in another sense, if somebody commits a crime unintentionally, God also made another provision for him to be saved. Now, how does this affect us as believers? How many of us know that all of us tonight were born sinners? And in iniquity, our mothers conceived us. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Do we remember that? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have come to a point in our lives when we have sinned. And somehow, some of us claimed, I remember somebody that I spoke with a couple of weeks ago. He said, but I wasn't there when Adam sinned. Is that not correct? You didn't need to be there when Adam sinned. The truth is, you're not, you're not a sin trying to commit sin. You're a sinner just sinning. We were born into sin because of our nature. The nature of sin was in us. And so, we had no power to deliver ourselves. Now, I want us to understand two things. There is a sinner by heritage. There is a sinner by practice. Now, a sinner by heritage begins, a sinner by practice is the outworking of an heritage. You cannot sin except you have sin in, your, in you. So we sin because by heritage we're sinners. So our practice is tied to the root. That is why when Jesus came, he cuts, what he decided to do was to cut off the root so that the practice would not be seen. A lot of people, that's the difference between religion and faith. 
Religion says there is a practice. Get rid of the practice. But the root is still there. But faith in the Lord Jesus says, I will get rid of the root and there will be no practice. That's what he did. That's why Jesus came. He paid the ultimate price. And you know what he did? He made himself a city of refuge. And he says, if you come and run into me, you will be delivered from the avenger of the blood. Do you know who the avenger of the blood is? The law. The law in the scriptures is the avenger of the blood. Once you commit a sin, that's why without law there was no sin. But when law was introduced, sin became read all. What am I saying tonight? When we came to Jesus, the power of law was broken because we came to Jesus by love. John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting love. I love this. It says whoever believes in him. It didn't say you're asking for forgiveness. He said if you believe. Just believe him. Love brought us to the kingdom. And so today we must understand that the law submits to love. That's why the Bible says in the book of James that if you cannot fulfill in all of it, if you commit one sin, if you, if you break one law, you've broken it all. Do we remember that in the book of James chapter 2, chapter 3? But it says that love is the fulfillment of the law. It is called the royal law of love. It is the what? The fulfillment of the law. In other words, if you're walking in love with God, you have totally fulfilled the requirement of the law. I'm going to get there tonight. So we understand the purpose of the cities. The cities were set up principally to do what? To provide a refuge, a safety. So when we came to Jesus, Jesus became our safety. Do we remember that? The scripture tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? And they are saved. That's why the scripture says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. To be saved means to be rescued. It's from the root word soteria. To be rescued, to be delivered, to be brought back, to be to, to, to be rescued, to be to be secured, to be to be protected. Number two, the provision of those cities. The provision of those cities. I believe tonight that the city was God's idea. How many of us know it wasn't Moses who suggested to God, we need some help here. There are people who are killing and they had no help. No. It was God's idea. There are people God knew. And he gave them, he said, you know what? Set up cities. He gave them the structure of the city. He gave them the location. And he gave them the names of those cities. So it was God's idea for those cities. What am I saying tonight? Do we know tonight that salvation is no man's idea? A lot of times, I think it was my Sunday meeting where I was asking me, and he said, what does it mean? Does it mean that Muslims are not also going to heaven? It is not about religion. It is not about choice that you make. It is about God's choice. What is God's choice? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but what? But through me. So it isn't your decision. It is God's decision. It is God's choice. And that is why, because it is God's choice, it does not need your effort. It does not need your sweat. And that's why we have mixed up the issue of righteousness. No one can please God by works. 
We know people who wash themselves five times a day, but you see, they are not made clean by those things they are doing. We are only made clean by the reason of the blood that was shed for us on the cross. The blood cleansed us from the guilt and also from the penalty of sin. I hope we understand there are two things that happened to us when we, commit, when we committed sin in Adam. Two things. Number one, we committed sin and now we receive the guilt of sin. And also God said, because of what you have done, you will be judged. Penalty. Many times, we mix the two together. There's a penalty, there's a guilt. Many people are trying to clean the outside part of the cup. But you know what? The guilt of sin cannot be eroded except by the blood. That's why nothing can wash away my sin but the blood of Jesus. I've shared a testimony of a young man with us in this church before who was going by the street side. He was called into a meeting. It was an atheist that was called to talk to the people. An atheist came and said, well, he started to teach. It was a large crowd. I think it was here in the United States. He was teaching the people about the fact that God does not exist. He taught so well that the entire crowd applauded him for the reasons you know, all the you know, anthropological reasons why God does not exist. He, called, he quoted all sorts of people, Lenny and all the rest of them, why God does not exist. And this man was sitting right there at the back. When it was done, he raised his hand up and said, uh, I got a question. And everybody looked at him. They knew him. He was a bully. He had spent more time in prison than outside. And so when they saw him raising his hand, they said, oh, what a man is this? And then he stood up. And the man invited him up to come and ask his question. He got up. He reached into his back pocket and brought out an orange and peeled it. And after peeling it, he sliced it into slices and began to take it one by one. When it was done, he asked the man, the orange that I took, was this sweet or bitter? man said, are you out of your mind? I didn't take it. You took it. How do you know? <laughs> How do you expect me to know if it is sweet or bitter? And when the man said it, he said, okay. He said, don't you ever condemn what you have never tried. You never tasted it, so you don't know how it tasted. He said to the people, few you all know me who I am. A few days ago, maybe a few weeks ago, I was going by the street side. And as I was passing by this dark street, I started hearing from a little church, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He said, they were singing so well, I had to stop over. He said, as I walked in into that place, I saw the emptiness of my life. There and then, I gave my heart to Jesus. He said, I've never been the same since that day. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed from the power and the hold of sin. I've been made free. Now I'm a free man. That was the end of the meeting. What else do you want him to say? It was just a true witness where people had applauded an atheist who gave them such a rendition. But this man came and said, I don't have a rendition. I have a testimony. I have a testimony to tell you that indeed he has saved me. He has delivered me from the pile of sin and he has set me free. It's only him that can do it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me quickly go through this. The provision of these cities was by God. Number three, the power of these cities. The power of the cities. 
these cities had the power literally to save. These cities, as long as a manslayer can find his way into the city, he's saved. No one can touch him. No one. No power of the avenger, no conglomerates of the avenger can hit him. He's saved, he's delivered for as many years as the high priest will live. So is he with us today in Jesus. How many of us know? If we remain in the city of refuge, we're saved. I believe tonight, Jesus died on the cross. He ushered us into the city of refuge. The Bible says, let us, he said, we have a strong consolation. And let us lay hold on the hope that is set before us. So there's an hope that has been set before us. We need to understand the new creation reality. We've been set free. We've been made free. The Bible says, in whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. We're in the city of refuge. We're saved. We're delivered. There is no hold of hell that can hinder what God wants to do in our lives anymore. I have this to say to us tonight. I want you to know tonight, if you're saved, the Lord is in charge over your life. There is no power in hell that can handle what God is doing in your life. You're saved and secure in him. Number three. Number four this time. Thank you, my brother. Number four. The position of those cities. The city was so set up in the way that it would be accessible to everyone. It was so set up and situated in a way to be accessible to all. And I want us to watch this tonight. If you read with me Joshua chapter 20, the Bible says that those cities were made available to Israel and also to the strangers. Praise God. The accessibility of the city of Reggie was not exclusively to the Israelites. It was also to the strangers and the sojourners. You know what that means? Now, as I was studying that scripture, it occurred to me that God's plan for the Gentiles did not start in the book of Matthew. God's plan for the Gentiles had always been. Now, I believe what the book of Ephesians chapter 1 says. The Bible says, before the foundation of the world, he knew us. So it wasn't a premeditated, it wasn't, let me say it this way, it wasn't God, it, God didn't stumble into deciding whether he wanted the Gentiles to be part of his plan. We were always part of the plan. I want to say to you, I was always God's, a part of God's plan. Oh, yeah. You know, some people do un don't understand it, and they present it in a way by which we feel, well, we're actually second citizens of the kingdom. We're not. God had already had a plan for the strangers. God said, as much as the Israelites will have a way to get into those cities, so also the strangers will have an opportunity. If you're a stranger, you suddenly kill a man, run into the city of refuge. You'll be secure, you'll be safe, you'll be accepted like every other Jew. Hallelujah. So the God's plan of salvation had always been. There was always a plan for the city of refuge for both the Jews and the Gentiles. It was available, number one, to all. It was also accessible to all. Uh, that brings me to this scripture in Isaiah chapter 55. Maybe we remember Isaiah 55 verse 6. The scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon him while he's near. Do we remember that scripture? Isaiah 55 verse 6. The scripture also tells us in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. The Bible says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. In other words, there's always a room before God. There's always a place. It is not too crowded in the kingdom yet. It is not too crowded. It is not too crowded for us to bring as many as the Lord will send to us into the kingdom. The place is always available. The grace of God is available to us today. It does not matter the language, the race, the color. God's grace is available to all. Recently, I was hearing a testimony about how some people were coming to the Lord in Iran. And it's an amazing testimony of the move of the Spirit of God in many of those close places where people were just giving their lives to Christ. Many of us have read about the Iron Contest in China, how people were giving their lives to Christ under the cave. They will have only a single page of the Bible to read, and they will stay with it for years. And they were stable for those years. What happens? God's grace is available to all. It does not matter how old, how young we are. The grace of God is accessible to all. Praise God. And the last I'm going to mention on this tonight is the picture of this city. What picture? What does it say to us? I'm going to go to these seven, six cities and we're going to study each of them. And that's what we're going to pray tonight. What does this city mean? What, does the, what, what is the implication of the cities of refuge? What part does it play to us as believers today? What role does it play in our lives? What should be our reaction to the cities of refuge? I have a few things that I wrote down here, and I'm going to get through them one by one. Hallelujah. There are six cities. I told us to write them down. Number one, Kadesh. Number two, Shechem. Number three, Ebron. Number four, Bezer, which is B-E-Z-E-R. Number five, Ramoth. Number six, Golan, which is G-O-L-A-N. I want us to go to each of these tonight before I close. Number one, Kadesh. Kadesh actually was a city that was considered to be named holiness or righteousness. How many of us know tonight in Christ we find our purity? In Christ we find our holiness? In Christ we find our righteousness? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus, in Jesus we find what? We find our holiness. We find our purity. In Jesus, we find righteousness. Without him, there is no righteousness. Without him, there is no holiness. Without him, there is no peace. Righteousness and holiness cannot come by religion. It cannot come by, by, by rules and regulation. It comes only through Jesus. We must be careful that we understand that God wants us as we go into this city of refuge, to walk in holiness, the purity of our lives. The provision of the city of refuge is that it's a city 
where God has positioned for you to be cleansed, for you to be made pure. But you know the good side of it, you know, that made me comfortable? I don't need to be clean to have access. I can come as dirty as I am. But when I get into the city, it is his job to clean me up. It is his job. It is not by struggle. That's why that songwriter says, it is not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. So the grace of God does not only provide me a city, it also provides me the cleansing that I needed. Now, the grace of God that was sufficient to open the door of the city for me, it's also sufficient to cleanse me up. Number two, Shechem. Shechem means strength. I want us to write it down. It means what? Strength. Uh, I, I like this tonight. Paul the Apostle tells us in, Paul, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. Uh, what I love about this tonight is not just that Christ strengthens me in my doing. It also strengthens me in my being. Being. Being a believer, it is by strength. I cannot be a believer without his strength. Being a believer is a cont continuous strength that, release, that is released upon me. That's why many of us remember, immediately you say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. At that moment, there is something that came upon you. The, the ability to love God. Not to desert from sin, but to love God. Number three, Hebron. Hebron is considered to be a city of association. So I'm going to call it tonight. Hebron means fellowship. Fellowship. In Hebron, everyone that runs into Hebron engages in fellowship. He's allowed to have association. What does that mean? Immediately we came to Christ. The Bible says our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now that fellowship is not only with the Son and it's not only with the Father. The Bible says, "May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship." Of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? That the Holy Spirit who has been given as our advocate. Who has been given to stand as our bystander. Is also there to help us in the time of need. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be ought. Because, you know, many times I'm helpless. I don't know about you. I wake up, I don't feel like praying sometimes. But the Holy Spirit comes. You know what it does? It gives me help. It gives me strength. It provides me with an aid. You cannot do it by yourself, but I will help you. Hallelujah. A place of fellowship. You know what the, what the good side of this fellowship is? You know the good side of this fellowship? You know we're in fellowship tonight? I'm in fellowship with somebody who is greater than I am. I'm in fellowship with somebody who is stronger than I am. I'm in fellowship with somebody who is purer than I am. I'm in fellowship with somebody. So the more, the closer I am to him, what do I become? The purer I become. The closer I am to him, the better I become. The closer I am to him, the better I become. So if you want to become greater, better, and cleaner, where do we go? We go into that fellowship with him. That's why Romans chapter Romans chapter, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. We are cleansed by the washing of the water and by the word. Number 4. Am I, did I say number four already? Bezer, which is B-E-Z-E-R. The city of Bezer. It means safety. 
The word Biza itself means fortress. In other words, when you run into the city of Biza, you are fortified. You're secure. You're safe. Safety. Ah, I want to tell us tonight, we do not know the implication of our salvation until we see those who don't have it. That there are many today who are living day and night and they are living in fear. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, we have, it, when he saved us, he became partakers of sin with us. He became partakers of the flesh and the blood that through him we might be delivered from the power of death. Do we remember that scripture? Hebrews chapter 2. That we might be delivered from the power of death. We have been saved. Number four, number five, Ramoth. Ramoth, R-A-M-O-T-H, Ramoth. Ramoth means uplifting. <laughs> and the salvation does not only bring me into the kingdom. I'm not only made holy. I've not only provided strength. I don't only engage in a fellowship with the Father. I'm not only saved. The Bible says it will uplift me. It will uplift me against every oppression of the devil. Uh, let me declare loud and clear to us tonight. We've been made free. We've been set free. You know what happened to us? We've been uplifted. The Bible says we have been made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities and power. Therefore, we stand tonight as men and women of authority. Uplifted. Sin demotes. Sin destroys. Sin suppresses. But righteousness uplifts. The Bible says in this book of Proverbs, the Bible was speaking about righteousness. It says, it says righteousness exalts, but sin is a reproach unto any. What does it do? It exalts. The power of grace of God exalts us, lifts us up. And number six, which is the last one? Golan. Golan means... You could, you could split this together. It means joy. And it also means happiness. I, I love this a lot because it means joy and what? And happiness. You cannot have joy, you cannot have happiness until you have gone through the process. In other words, your joy today is not based on what is being provided for, for you physically. Your joy is provided because, number one, you stand before God without guilt, without condemnation. That's the first thing. I stand in fellowship with the Father. How many of us know you cannot stand before the pure God and have fellowship with him when you have a sense of guilt? Now, the Bible says, therefore, we, are, we, are, we approach the throne of grace. We have obtained mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So we approach the presence of God by the token of the blood of Jesus and we're standing there without guilt, without condemnation. It's the greatest place for anyone to be. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus will walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Verse 2, for the, for the, you know, for the love for the, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We have been made free from the law of sin and death. So Gola means the land and the city of happiness. The city of joy. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, with joy shall we draw water out of the well of salvation. Do we remember that? With joy you will draw water out of the well of salvation. These are the implications of these cities. Number one, holiness. Number two, strength. Number three, fellowship. Number four, safety. Number five, 
uplifting. Number C, joy and happiness. Can we just put all of them together? Can you imagine where you're sitting tonight? You're sitting in fellowship with the Father. The Bible says you're uplifted above all contention. Number three, the Bible tells us here that we're walking in the strength of God. Not in the strength of ourselves, because by ourselves we cannot do it. The Bible says you're safe. And you know the joy I have tonight is that when I open my eyes, Paul said, you know, to be present to be present with the Lord and to, you know, to, to, be, pre to be present, you know, to be present, you know, sorry, he says to die is gain and, and, and to be alive, you know, is to be present with you is to is gain and to die, you know, to die is gain. Paul was speaking about dying, being gain and being here is a benefit to the people, to the people around him. I want us to understand tonight that our lives are centered on the fact that God has given us a place of safety in his word and in his blood. Tonight, before we leave, I have this to mention to us. As I close, as I study this, I notice that you cannot get crash into these cities. <laughs> you cannot. Do you notice that if a man murders, when he gets to the gate of the city, what happened? The elders will stop him there and say, you're not qualified. Go back. You know what that means tonight? All of us that have entered into this city, of we, it's because we declared our innocence. The only way to enter is to say, you know what? I'm a sinner. And I need help. And he opened the gate for us. For those who refuse the gift of God, there is no gate open for them. It is permanently shut against them. It is a sad story. But no one can gate crash. I've met a lot of people who said, you know what? I will sin so much that when God is going to throw me, he will throw me beyond hell. How many of us have heard that? that? My sin is so heavy that when God is throwing me into hell, he will be so angry that I have sinned so much <laughs> that he will throw me past, the, past hell. I will land in a different place other than hell. It is the height of ignorance for people to say that they would throw me beyond hell because I have sinned so much. But you know what I see tonight? All he wants from everyone is to come and tell him, I'm here. But for us who are members of the kingdom, it is also important for us to know what we have. What do you have? It's important to know what you possess as you have entered into this, into this city. Uh, you know what I noticed? When this man, two things before... I give us the last scripture tonight. When a man enters into the city, he will be judged. He will stand a trial. This is the good side of this story tonight. That each of us that are sitting tonight, we're also going to stand a trial. But you know what I love about the trial? You know the end of the trial. The Bible talks about the bima seat of Christ. He didn't call it bima. He called it the judgment seat of Christ. All of us as believers, we're going to be judged. But you see, I hate to use the word judged. We're going to come before the Lord to be rewarded. That's the judgment we have. There are two judgments in the book of Revelation. The white throne judgment, which is the judgment of the ungodly. Where everyone who appears before the white throne is condemned for eternity. In fact, the Bible said, and hell and AIDS will be thrown into the lake of fire. So hell is not the last destination for a sinner. It's not. It's just the beginning. It's a warm-up practice for the lake of fire. Because the lake of fire is the final destination. The Bible says even the dead in the sea will be, the sea will give up the dead and they will go into the lake of fire. But the good side of it is that believers, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul said, every one of our works will be tested. The ones that stand the test of fire will be rewarded. Those that burn, the, 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 the wood and the haze, those ones will be saved as if passing through the fire. What am I saying tonight? God is saying, I will reward you. 
the word BIMA, as mentioned by people, was an Olympic word. When the Olympics started, there was no electronics. So there, were, there was a judge that stands to watch how people, you know, breast the tape, to know who came first, second, and third. Now, you know, to know what price is due to each person. I know tonight, I want us to come to this realization, our master is waiting. He will give to everyone the Bible says, according as his work shall be. You will be rewarded. There is no labor in the kingdom that will go in vain. Let me say this to us tonight. Men may not applaud you. They may not say thank you. But God, whom we serve, is watching on the grandstand. He's going to reward you in your secret, and he's going to reward you openly. The Bible says when you want to pray, go into your closet. What, you, what is he saying? He's saying your closet is not a boundary to me. I can see through the roof. I can see through the wall. I know what you're doing in your secret, but I will reward you openly. That is the day you will be rewarded openly. God is going to expose every man's work. And that is why as believers, you know the question that I got there. Do you know whatever we do after we have become believers, he will reveal it. And that's what will be judged. The Bible says there will be many cries in those days. And Christ shall wipe many tears. You know why? Many people will discover that, ah, I thought I was doing it in secret. But God says, I can see it all. And whether our work will stand or not, that's when it will be known. I pray tonight that the Lord will help us. That we'll be able to understand our judgment is not a judgment of condemnation. It's a judgment of reward. But once you appear at the judgment seat of Christ, you can at least have a sigh of relief. I made it. I know many people get there and say, I made it finally. Ah, it doesn't matter what you give to me here. I'm here. This is it. Praise God. I made it here. We're here. I went through it all. The avenger of the blood went after me, but it did not catch up with me. I escaped totally from the hand of the avenger of the blood. I was not drawn back. Praise God. And the last I'm going to mention, when they get to that judgment, there must be two or three witnesses. But you know what I have tonight? The Bible says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. If you have a witness in your spirit to know that you're a child of God, that's a witness in your spirit. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Those are the, are the ones who bear witness in heaven. And Jesus was saying in the book of John chapter 5, he says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. But he went further to say, uh, you know, my Father bears witness of me. The works that I do also bear witness of what? Of me. And the Bible says also in the book of 1 John that the spirit bear witness for Jesus. What am I saying tonight? We have witnesses around us telling us that indeed we're children of God. That what you did indeed was done, but the blood has been shed for you. Now where I'm going to close tonight is those high priests. Do you remember the high priest died? Our high priest died and lived. In those days when an high priest died, the man is free. Is that true? We were free when the high priest died. But you know what's also interesting? We still remain in the city of refuge because our high priest lives forever. We're free, but we're still in the city. We're protected. Hallelujah. We're protected. We're no more under the bondage of hell. We're no more under the, un, under the imperialistic rule of the enemy. We're free. Our high priest has died, but he still lives. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So your high priest is not just living. He's speaking on your behalf. Hallelujah. He's speaking on my behalf. He's talking on my behalf. He's saying to the Father, watch, the, watch my hands, the nails. He's saved. He's secured. He's preserved. I've died for him. This is the close of the story tonight. It's a round of tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. I just give you glory tonight. I want us to open to Second Samuel chapter 2 as we close tonight. Verses 18 to 24 as we pray. Second Samuel chapter 2, 
verses 18 to 24. Thank you. Second Samuel chapter 2, verses 18. I know that my Redeemer lives. How I wish we could sing that song. Do you know the song? Oh. Hallelujah. I know my Redeemer lives. 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 Verse 18, 2 Samuel 2, verse 18. With there, I'm going to read tonight. Now the three sons of Zoriah <coughs> were there, Joab and Abishan and Asai. And Asai was as fleet of foot as a white gazelle. That's how it could run. And Asai pursued Abner. And in going, he did not turn to the right hand nor to the left from Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and saw and said, Are you Asai? He said, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand and to your left, or to your left. And lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. And Azahel will not turn aside from following him. And Abner said to Azahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then should I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with his blunt head of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back and he fell down there and died on the spot. So it was. That as many day as many as came to the place where Isaiah fell and died stood still. And Joah and Abisha also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Ammon, which is before Gear by the road of wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took the stand on the top of the hill. And Abner called on Joab and said, Shall his sword devote forever? Do you know that it will be bitter in the latter hand? How long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? This is what happened as we're about to pray tonight. Abner lived. He didn't want to kill Azahel, but kill Azahel anyway. We ran to the city of refuge, but Abner did not enter into the city of refuge. He stood outside. So Joab went after him. If he had entered the city of refuge, he wouldn't have a key. You could read the story when you get back home struck him before he entered the city of refuge. So Habna had a, every opportunity to be saved but stayed outside. Just an inch to enter the city of refuge. What am I saying tonight? There are many people that will be an inch from the kingdom. They will not make it through. But we want to pray tonight for those that the Lord has placed around us who are not born again. That they will not be like Habna. That the Lord's hand will be upon them. They will be saved. They will be delivered. Their family members, the Lord's hand will be upon them. Let's rise up tonight to pray. City of refuge. Lord, our refuge. I want us to pray and speak to the Lord tonight. I know I bought someone else with too many details tonight, but let us pray. I have a joy tonight. <clears throat> it is called the unspeakable joy. Hallelujah. It is what? Unspeakable joy. 
It is a joy that cannot be explained. That in the midst of crisis, I'm still happy. And people wonder why. The why is very simple. He took me there. The joy of the Lord, the scripture says, He is my strength. Tonight I have a strength that is not in a muscle. It is a strength that came from the Almighty God, from the altar in heaven. Do you know why sin's power has been broken? Many of us that are standing here tonight, do you remember when you used to be an unbeliever? Every day we went out to commit sin, deliberately. But somehow the hold of sin was taken out. The power of sin was destroyed. That's how powerful the grace of God can be. I told us the story of the man tonight. What shall save a man but the blood of Jesus? Nothing can save a man but the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. I want us to close our eyes tonight to pray. Lord, I thank you because now I know I'm in the city of refuge. I have no fear in my heart because Jesus is my city of refuge. It's my hope. It's my life. He paid the price for me. He took my place. He became sin for me. That I may become the righteousness of God. Yes, Lord, I thank you tonight. I'm leaving this place in liberty tonight because I know there is power in knowledge. I'm leaving this place tonight knowing that I'm in the city of refuge. Lord, I thank you tonight. I thank you because of what you have given to me as a treasure, a life. That cannot be purchased with money or with resources of life. I give you praise tonight. I exalt your name tonight. I bless you, O oh God. I worship you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord, for opening the door for me. Thank you for opening the door for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In sin did my mother conceive me. In iniquity I was born. But Lord, thank you, Lord, for the for the grace of the Lord Jesus. Because of my grace are you saved, not of works, but any should boast. It is the grace of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight for the grace. For by grace we are saved. Thank you. Thank you for salvation has brought me into a place where it is possible for me to be holy. Lord, I thank you for the strength that was provided for me. I thank you because, Lord, I'm in Garland, the place of joy. All of creation yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, the Lord, for Ramoth. You have been uplifted far above principalities and powers. No demon should be able to sit over your life anymore. You have been set free permanently. I want us to know that you are in Biza, the place of fortress, the place of safety. Finally tonight, my brethren, we're in Hebron together. We're linking our horns together tonight in a place of fellowship. Oh yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Lastly tonight, I want us to pray against every plan and the, and, the, and the ploy of the enemy to draw us out of the city of refuge.
Lord, I will remain in this city forever. Lord, I will remain in this city forever. Nothing is going to pluck me out of your hands. No pressure, no word, no flesh, no enticement of the word will pluck me out of your hand. I'm settled forever in your hand. Let's just pray that prayer. Make a commitment to the Lord. I'm forever yours, Lord. I'm forever yours, Lord. The troubles of life may come, but I will not, I will not leave the city of refuge. That is a place of my safety. I will not abandon you like Demas. Oh yes, Lord, I join myself to this present world. Lord, strengthen me to stand strong. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for making it clear to us that we're not just believers in the head, we're believers by reality. That indeed, there's an invisible city, the Bible calls it the true Jerusalem, that has been made for us a place of safety, a place of holiness, a place of uplifting, a place of peace, a place of joy. Lord, we stand together tonight. We know that we're saved. We're saved from the clutches of the enemy. We're saved from the wagging of the tongues. We're saved from the curse of the enemy. We're saved from the curse of the law. Lord, we're saved from the curse of the law. For cause is the one that hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham may rest upon us. Tonight we're saved. We're saved. We're delivered. Yes, we give you glory and honor tonight. We're living this place tonight assured in our spirit that we have a life in you, a life that cannot be terminated. Our eternity is secured. Our future is preserved. Our life is in your hand. We give you honor and praise tonight. We worship and adore you tonight. Thank you, Father, because the hand of the avenger of the blood cannot reach us. We're too far away to be reached. We honor your name tonight. We bless you. Thank you for uplifting us. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place tonight looking for a lifting. I want us to lay our hands on ourselves. I'm going to prophesy on you. The Lord will lift you. The power for lifting is already in you. You'll be lifted above all contentions. Everything that is contending with your life tonight, we resist, we bind, we take authority over them. In the name of Jesus. We decree over you tonight, it is well with your soul. It is well with you day and night. It is well with whatever you lay your hands to do. It is well with your family. It is well with the children. It is well with your career. It is well with your tomorrow. Every force from hell, we reject your hold tonight. We have entered into a place of safety. We announce everywhere in the pit of hell tonight. We are saved. We are saved. We are secured. We are lifted. No more repression. No more oppression from today. We are saved. We are saved. We are saved and we are lifted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. 
If you know that you're secured and safe and lifted tonight, I want us to lift our hands and just bless him tonight. And just bless him tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're in the city of refuge. Believers, we're lifted. We're safe. We're secure. We're righteousness of God. We're not guilty anymore. Guilty of anything God has preserved. Jesus has paid the price. Beyond it, rejoice and be joyful in your God, O Israel. Rejoice in the Lord your God. Hallelujah to the Lord tonight. We are secure. Joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. 